You have to visualize the children of Israel after they returned from that Babylonian captivity. God had sent them into captivity for a period of 70 years to get their attention, and he got it. No longer would the children of Israel ever become an idolatrous people as they had once been. On the other hand, the children of Israel, after returning from that captivity, still lacked a number of things. They lacked dedication for building the temple of the Lord back again. They lacked a dedication in worship to offer God the worship that he deserved. And the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi give a picture of the children of Israel and their failures during that period of time. But God reminded them that there was a brighter future on the horizon. And he wanted them to understand the kind of people that he wanted them to be. And as we just read together, what God wanted from his people was them to be a truth-telling people. What's the big deal? Everyone lies. You see, honesty and integrity are woefully missing in our modern-day society. Let me just give you an example or two. TV reality shows have made lying into an art. If you want to be able to succeed, to be able to win the prize, you've got to learn to lie to your neighbors and your friends. Make them believe something that is not true. You can think about what we just endured, and I use the word endured choicefully, about the last political season. Numerous various candidates did not say, this is where I stand. They said, the other man's a liar and a crook. And many of the people began to have the media to do what they refer to as a fact check. And quite frequently, the media, which is not very well known for their own integrity, would say, yes, this man is telling a half-truth or a partial truth, but in reality, he did not tell the truth. Corruption has been revealed in many areas. One of the areas where there is still a tremendous amount of respect and trust is that in the educational system. But it has been revealed in the last year or two that many educators who are in the upper echelons, in order to make themselves look better, have changed the test scores of their students and lied and said, this is what they did when in reality that was not what they did. Honesty is a moral issue. Lying is immoral. What I've been trying to do for the last several weeks as we have talked about moral issues is to focus on the fact that our society is sick. Our society has very severe problems. But you and I as Christians must know what God wants and we must do what God says that we must do. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at a definition of lying, deceit, falsehood, Then we're going to see demonstrations of it from the Bible, how the Bible speaks about people who lied. And we will not cover every passage of Scripture. There's just simply too many. 
And then finally, I want us to learn to do what the Bible teaches. David would say, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. When we study God's Word, we understand what truth is. We pursue truth. Anything contrary to it, we learn to have a disdain or hate for it. Let's begin with lying, and this is a definition which I think encompasses a very broad understanding. Deceit is a condition of heart which has as its purpose a desire to conceal or misrepresent the truth, to cause one to believe what is not true, to mislead. It takes many forms in an attempt to cloud or conceal the truth. Lying or misrepresentation is just one of them. It is falsehood. And the Bible often speaks of this kind of action. For instance, the Bible defines lying and deceit in what it contrasts. You will have on one side the Bible speaking about truth and honesty, what is correct, while on the other side describing what is dishonest, what is deceitful. In Psalm 7:14, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity, Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. It is that character of mind that says, I'm thinking this, I'm conceiving of this in my mind and in my heart. I intend to say something that is false, but I've got to make it believable for you. So I think about it so I can present it so you will believe it. In Psalm 52, 3, You love evil more than good, lying rather than speaking righteousness. When a God's word is righteous and a man says, no, that's not the way it is, he is lying. Proverbs 11 and verse 18. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have sure reward. Notice the designation. Wicked man does deceptive work. He's trying to deceive people. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 19 and 22. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Talking about the contrast between the two and the enduring or the lack of endurance for that. Verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. I could give you so many more contrasts, but let me just give you one more. 1 John 2.21 I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. When you have God's word revealed, you know that's truth. If something else comes along and someone tells you something different from what God has said, they're lying or deceiving you. Now the best way I understand things is to see it done by someone else. I like to watch these shows that are do-it-yourself where someone trains you how to do something. And once you watch it done, you can pretty well understand it. 
when I read the Bible, I see in the lives of real people where there are people of integrity, people of honesty, and then on the other hand, I see some people who were very deceitful. They were deceitful in their words, what they said. Genesis 18 and verse 15. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. You see, there's times when people will say, did you do something? No, I didn't do it. Sarah did that. She lied because she said something that was not the case. False words can also be written. In Jeremiah 8, verse 8, How can you say we are wise? And the law of the Lord is with us. Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. You can have somebody who will tell you a lie, but you can also have someone who will write a lie. And there were people who produced writings and claimed they were from God. Some people seem to be disturbed today by the fact that you can go to this place and they've dug up writings. And people talk about the lost books of the Bible. And they start saying, well, you know, maybe this is true. No, these, there were lying prophets in the days of Jeremiah. There were lying prophets in the first century. It should not be incredible to think that some of them survived to be written and to be preserved and kept. Then you have false prophecies. Where a man will say, this is what God says. Particularly in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 28. Her prophets have plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions, divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord when the Lord has not spoken. Do you know what it is when... A modern-day preacher walks into the pulpit and says, The Lord has revealed something to me. And when he says that, he's lying. They will tell you that God told me to do this or God told me to do that. We have to understand that people have lied and do lie about God in claiming prophecies. You also find deceptive actions in the Bible. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, you want to think about those kinds of things. Various ones in the New Testament, we find, had the ability, for instance, to raise the dead. Peter did that. Jesus did that. On the other hand, you have, and Paul did that, you have others who are able to take somebody who is sick with a dreaded disease, put their hands on them, and bring them back to life. People had the ability to speak in tongues, languages they had not studied. Do you suppose anyone would ever fake that? What about Simon the sorcerer? We know that the magicians that served in Pharaoh's court attempted to try to mimic or perform the same sort of miracles that was done by the hand of Moses. There are people who would try to trick and deceive others to people, 
to think that they had performed some sort of miracle. And then there's in the Bible flattery. And unless you know what flattery is, flattery is when someone tells you something that you want to hear but may not be true. Oh, that was such a great piece of cake. You're the best cook in the world. I remember a sister a few years ago who thought she was putting sugar into a recipe. She put salt in, thinking it was sugar, cooked it. person took a bite of it. You don't want to say, wow, that's bad. Do you realize you tell somebody, oh, that's good? You just lied to them. And then you know, they know when they taste of it, oh, I put salt in it instead of sugar. You see, flattery, according to Psalms 12, 2, they speak idly, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. Tell you one thing while they're doing another. Jude, verse 16, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Somebody starts coming and telling you how great you are. Better hold on to your pocketbook. They're probably ready to get you to do something for them. One of the worst forms of deceit, though, is the kind that we do to ourselves. We really lie to ourselves, and we believe the lie we tell ourselves. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You go to James 1 and verse 22, But be ye doers in the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, it's bad enough when somebody else comes and they tell me something that is false, and I believe it, but when I tell myself something that's false... I really ought to be ashamed for that. But let's think about it in the lives of some real people. And if you began in the beginning, you, you know the devil did that. You remember in the Garden of Eden, God had a beautiful garden there. It had all kinds of trees with all kinds of fruits on them. There's also the tree of life. But in the midst of the garden, there was one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you don't eat of it. That the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And you come to chapter 3 and look at what Satan says. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the devil just changed what God said to the exact opposite. The three-letter word, not, changed the meaning completely. Was there a kernel of truth in that statement? Yes, there was. The day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll know good and evil. That's true. Usually the devil is going to sugarcoat a lie on the outside with something that is desirable so that we'll swallow the poisonous lie. Abraham 
among all of his good characteristics, had problems with honesty. You might say that he justified it on the grounds of situation ethics. That, you know, if the situation is bad, then, you know, why can't I just lie a little bit? Genesis chapter 12, verse 11, it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a beautiful woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, they will say to me, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. What Abraham sought to get Sarai to do was to lie. And he said, well, it wasn't a complete lie, but it was deception. He wanted them to believe that she was not his wife. And you might think that because of the rebuke that came from Pharaoh, Abraham would never do that again. But you drop to chapter 20, verse 2. Now Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, took Sarah. You drop down to verse 10. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What is, did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. He lied to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he lied to Abimelech, king of Gerar. Twice. A lot of people will... If they feel like they're in a situation where, you know, if I tell the truth, it's going to re react negatively on me, they'll think, well, that's okay, just go ahead and lie. One of the passages of Scripture which has always captured my attention and one which I think perhaps needs to be thought about a little bit more, especially in light of the fact that we live in a, a religious area, You've got to go back to 1 Kings and understand that what's going on is there's a, a division, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. And what's going on among the northern kingdom is not right, and the prophets there are not speaking out about it. They're just letting everything go on as it was. And God's going to send a young prophet to cry out against the altar of Jeroboam. And God was really specific with his instructions to this young prophet. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go there. I want you to go one way and come back a different way. I don't want you to eat anything there. I don't want you to drink anything there. And I want you to cry out against the altar of Jeroboam. Well, what happens is he goes, he does what God says to do. But then on his way home, we'll pick up with verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who came from Judah. And then he said to his son, Saddle a donkey for me. And so they saddled a donkey for him, and he rode on it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, Are you the man of God that came from Judah? 
And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor go return by the way you came. He spoke to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And the angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And notice the insertion here. He was lying to him. So he went back with him, ate bread and his house, drank water. Now it happens, they said at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment of the Lord which your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, drank water in the place which the Lord has said to you, Eat no bread, drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And he goes on, and the young man is killed there. Now what point do I want to draw out of that? There are religious people who will tell us something different than what God has said. You know, I've talked to people many times about salvation. And when I talk to a number of people who are a part of denominational churches, and someone just mentioned to me the other day that people were railing against those of us in the Lord's church because we teach baptism. They try to explain it away and they will say, now you don't have to be baptized. Don't you understand? That's a work and if you do that, you don't have to do that to go to heaven. Folks, they are lying to you. How do I know they're lying? Because I know what God said. Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark 16 verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Peter said to them in Acts 2 verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Let every one of you be baptized. And yet we have people saying, no, that's not what God says. Religious people. This old prophet lied to him. Some people may be lying because they know what they're saying. They want to, they want to please the people they're with. Some of them may be deceived themselves. You come to the New Testament time and you'll find a couple in Acts chapter 5. As you end the end of Acts 4, you've got a great man there. His name's Barnabas. He owned a piece of property. He sold it and he came and he brought the proceeds of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Evidently, there were a number of people who were impressed with what Barnabas did because you come to Acts 5, verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept a part of the 
proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all who heard these things. Do you understand the problem was not that they kept back part of the price. The problem was they represented it as they had given it all and they only gave a part. You see, the problem here was the deception and the dishonesty. Peter says, it's yours. It was yours as long as you possessed it. But he says, when you lied about it, where it became the problem. Go further. The young man wrapped him up, carried him out, buried him. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. And Peter says to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord, look the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down and breathed her last. And the young man came in, found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. You see, God intended to make a statement. Honesty is the right way. But now, finally... Let's deal with this idea of this disdain for lying. God's attitude toward lying is clear. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Zechariah 8, 17, he said, Let none of you think in evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath, for all these things I hate, says the Lord. Revelation 21 and verse 8, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But those who love God also disdain this kind of deceit. In Proverbs 13, 5, A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. You see, if, if I'm righteous, I've got to hate it because God hates it. In Psalm 119, 163, I hate or I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Ezekiel 13, 22, because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad. It's not just the fact that you hate it, but you're sad when it occurs. Disappointed. People who ought to know better and do better, they're sad. Eventually, all deception will be exposed. You know, people today may think they get away with a lie here and a lie there. And they may have fooled, you know, the old phrase, you can fool some of the people some of the time. But you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, you're not going to fool anybody. Eventually, Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God has seen it all already and knows it all already. 
In Ecclesiastes 12, 14, Solomon says, For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And Proverbs 26, 26, Through his hatred, though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness shall be revealed before the assembly. I can't tell you how many times I have seen people who thought they were good liars, good cheaters, only to find themselves being exposed and embarrassed even more because of that deceit. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Don't deceive yourself. If you have sin, you must deal with it. You see, it would be very easy for me or for you to think, well, I'm just going to lie to myself. I'm okay. I'm pretty good. No, you're not. God sees you as you really are. You need to see yourself as you really are. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, but we, if we walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And his word is not in us. You see, the truth is we all have sinned, every last one of us. But there's some of us that are being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb because we're trying to walk in the light. There are times when we have sin in our lives that needs to be confessed, it needs to be acknowledged before God, and that may be who you are tonight. If you're not a Christian... Don't put off this obedience any longer. Come to the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. John 8, verse 32. And then to be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're a Christian and needs to come back and confess your faults, why not do that tonight as together we stand and sing?